Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I need you to get ready for Gameland. It's episode 536. I'm your host, Justin Walsham. With me is one, the only... His name is the Kevin Miller. And every time I tell him to jump and press the circle button. So jump and press that circle button, Kevin. Oh, thanks, man. That's pretty nice of you. Going all retro on me. That's pretty good. <laughs> What's this <laughs> song all about, man? <laughs> time to get lucky. But put done with Mario Paint. What the, what the Mario? Right now? Yeah, <laughs> it it just sort of happened. I know. <laughs> it felt appropriate. Do millennials know who Strong Brad is? Ah, uh, debatable. It'd be something that was. Is fun. he still doing his emails? No, he works on Yo Gabba Gabba. Strong Brad? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, the brother, one of the brothers, Chaps, Matt Chapman, oh. were, is over at Yo Gabba Gabba. They haven't updated since 2010. Did I tell you that that show was created by Mormons? I don't know they were Mormons. The Chapman, Chap, Brother Chaps. The, did the Brother Chapmans create yeah. Yo Gabba Gabba? Oh, no, I'm okay. sorry. The creators yeah. of Yo Gabba Gabba were Mormons because I have a bit where I talk about Muno being uh, vibrator-esque <laughs> in his appearance. And they're like... And uh, somebody came up to me after the show and they said, you know, our friends created Yo Gabba Gabba. Oh, uh, that's funny. And <clears throat> and they said, if they heard you say that, she goes, I, she goes, I, she goes, I think it would make them laugh. She goes, because it's funny because they're Mormon. Mm. She goes, they couldn't have anything. It couldn't be further from the truth. They and wouldn't I go, have had to know. I think it's oppressed and that's why it comes out. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. That needs, is that going in the act? <laughs> like, no. uh, oh, like, like yeah. Like I have the explanation of the guy coming out to me saying yeah. you shouldn't give Benadryl to a wheels baby. within wheels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe. A lot going maybe. On. I don't know. Um, not, so I need to. I need to get out of that stuff. I need to get onto the new. I need to make new? another album. Let's go right now. New right album. Now? Right. Go. Okay. Uh, let's see. What? Let's. Uh, ooh, what if I go improv on it? What should we talk about yeah. in the new? Uh, tell me. Uh, tell me about having two sons and the dynamic of two sons. <laughs> the dynamic of two sons making. It, uh, let's see. How can I make it funny? Oh, it's. It's rough having two sons. People don't. I don't know why I'm yelling. I was like, oh, I haven't seen your show in a while. Is this how you do it? (laughs) I was like, you have a whole new persona. I need to. I need to get out of the house and see your show. Here's here's what two sons make you feel like. (laughs) Shut up. Shut up. Please, I just want to be a person again. (laughs) Stop. Just give it back to him. Why do you have to, you have 40, this is a phrase I say all the time, you have 40 bajillion toys in your room, and yet you want to play with a stapler. I say things like that all the time. Not a stapler, 
the staplers out here, they can't get to it. But what does he want to play today? Um, oh, he played with a, a paintbrush. That was mm-hmm. what happened today. I was like, and he clocked his brother in the head with it. And I was like, I go, I go, why are you, why are he just like hit him? I go, why yeah. are you playing with that? Why can't you play? You have a room full of toys. Look forward to that, millennials. When you have kids. Because they're going to have even more cheap crap from China. Yeah, well, it'll be downloadable. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll have was, plenty of room. It's just digital. In the closet. Um, that's that's pretty fun. I think, you know, I think no, that's, that's not. That's horrible. No, it was pretty good. I think not here's what paint. I just learned in that little moment yeah. right there. Mm. Uh, to do stand-up, which is, here's the other thing, which is why I wish now at this point in my life, I wish that I would have uh, maybe leaned a little bit more towards radio. Yeah. Because I don't think I'm original enough to be a really good stand-up comic. Yeah. Uh, but I know how I could talk and, and things, and yeah, I could be funny. Host. But then there's also an element, though, that I do need a live audience to have feedback, which would not work in radio. Obviously. Depends on the show. Yeah, uh, and you have um, uh, a level of integrity for your performance that I think a lot of radio hosts don't have. You shared some stories going on the road and being shocked at what the DJ, how the DJs didn't care what was happening or not happening on the air oh. uh, and stuff. And so a lot of... I just had one of those. I just did... Uh, I was on Mega 97.9, all the old school oldies. And uh, I got to drop a joke that I had uh, said on my uh, dad podcast where... Because it's all like... Sh- it's uh, R&B songs from yeah. the 90s. So it's like... I want to sex you up. Oh, yeah. All TikTok. All those songs made me uncomfortable in right. eighth grade dances. Yes. And I go... So I did their new tagline. Where uh, I said, Mega 97.9, moistening minivan seats for the last 15 years. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> so the guy didn't, he didn't even, this is how much of a wall I was talking to on this radio station. He didn't even balk or laugh at that, which I thought was okay funny. I go, yeah. I, and I, he kind of goes, uh-huh. And I go, I go, do you understand? I go, you guys, you guys play really sexy music. That's yeah. what I was doing there. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, we get, yeah, yeah, we do, we do, we do. Oh wow! And I Good go, for you. and I go, and then he somehow came about that uh, he was saying that there's like some kind of freaky level, like uh, floor on the where the studios all are. And he goes, mm. level two, that's where the parties are. And I was like, really? He goes, yeah, sometimes it gets awkward. And then I, I came in with my other one because I thought people listen. It's a station that people would play at work. Yeah. You know how they do that? Right? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that it would be awkward to hear, like, I wanna, I'm want i going to knock a boots all night long and stuff like that. Right. So I, Mega 97.9, making cubicles awkward all day, every day. <laughs> That's also good. He didn't think that was funny. Oh, you know, was, you're making fun My favorite part is we told a story about a cholo, try, uh, me accidentally picking a fight with a cholo the last time I was in Fresno. And then randomly we're just telling a story and we hit a punchline and the DJ leans in and goes, Mega 97.9. Nice. And then just looks back at us. Like, so here's how it sounds like, blah, 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 Mega 97.9. Ooh, weird. <laughs> yeah, it was dead air. I was like, uh. Are we, and I, did we go to. I, I just called it like it was. I go, I, I don't know what you want us to do right now. <laughs> I, go, I go, you just. Good for you. To be you honest. said it like it was close. Well, here's what I think. Yeah. I think that people listen to podcasts or mm-hmm. people that when they listen to the radio, that's what they want. I mean, realistically. Now, I, I'm not saying that it's not a gift that this guy has. This guy has a talent to talk about mattress sales. Yeah. Like they're exciting that I could never do. Right. To read that cold copy. Yeah. yeah. He could pick it up and go, oh, we're going to be down there all day giving away your free mattress to the 21st person to walk up and say, Mega 97.9. Helps you sleep, and uh, and they could do that, and they can, and and it just you 
flows. could do that. It just flows out of him. I don't. I think at some point I would have to mock it, or in some way, shape, or form, that's okay, in order to be alive. <laughs> but I think people would listen. Yeah, like yeah, that's, yeah. And so that's there where, are some DJs that are real like that. They're like, I've been here's some copy, and then they go into it, and that's just their shtick. Yes. Let's uh, let's flip the script. You give yeah. me a, a topic, and I will uh, improvise. You want to do some? You uh, want to do some stand up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about. Uh, now here's the thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to set you up for success. Oh, I love it. Right. Yeah. So uh, is it like? Do you want like a specific topic of your life, like you gave me, like that's an, a dynamic to yeah. your life, or do you think it would be something that you know? Like, I, you know? I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I you too many options. Too many options. You just you just give me. Uh, I'm uh, the improviser. All right. Okay. I, so you give me a thing and let's, and let's hear some stand up on the Millennium Falcon. Let's do that. Here's the thing about the Millennium Falcon. It's neither a bird nor was it anywhere near a nope. millennial thing. Yeah. It was. It's a disc in space with. With a little crunchy part in the front. What was the crunchy part in the front for? And it's got a satellite dish. Does he get direct TV in there? Han mm-hmm. Solo goes to the back and he's like, I'm going to check out what's happened on Sunday morning ticket. Yeah. I have a hard time imagining that the satellite dish did anything important. Because here's the other thing. None of the other ships had a satellite dish. Nope. Where did the word Millennium Falcon come from at all? If there was some more feathers on the outside, then I would believe it. But until that point in time, I'm calling it Crunchy Disc with a satellite dish. <laughs> I, I was going to go Spaceship Spork. Oh, that's it, you good. Know, yeah, it's yeah, round, yeah. and then it's got good. a fork on it, too. Like, that's, that's good. good. Yeah. See? Yeah, see? That's my tight five. We should, tra- we should trade careers. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do? What you just did. Oh, what are you going to do? Uh, whatever you do. <laughs> What do I do? <laughs> there needs gonna, to... I don't, well, here's the thing. I was going to say coordinate volunteers, but yeah. I was going to try and be specific. But then I, if I try to be specific, then it's it sounds condescending about your job. Oh. I go, I'm going to tell people where to tell people where to park. Oh, I love this. I love this game now. Now <laughs> now the game is we do stand-up comedy about each other's career as if I'm you. Oh. So now I'm you. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've got this hot wife. That is ridiculously attractive. She she could eat four pound cakes for breakfast. She's trying to force ice cream on me like like it's a bathtub, and she comes out even skinnier. Somehow, eating calories makes her burn calories. It drives me crazy how attractive my wife is. And then she poops out these two amazing children that all I want to do is bury in the backyard. So I'm much, Justin Warsham. You're so much better at this than I am. <laughs> All right, now, stand-up comedy right. about being a director of hospitality <laughs> at a medium-sized church in at Hollywood. <laughs> Here's what I got to deal with. You try finding a way to get Jesus into the life of a hipster in the middle of Los Angeles. <laughs> Los Angeles is a freaking cesspool of people who are self-centered, here trying to live some kind of delusional dream of some kind, and I'm supposed to get into their soul, their inner being, and help them find light through a cup of coffee? That's what I'm supposed to do. You expect me to do that? I have a child at home and a wife I'm trying to care for, and the only way I can start a 
conversation is with coffee or a freaking bake sale. <laughs> and you want me to really save people when the only people that are showing up for a bake sale and a cup of coffee are the crazy homeless people. <laughs> That's right, preach it. <laughs> I'm Kevin good. Miller, and I approve this message. <laughs> This guy's good. This Joseph guy's really Barkley good. is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Dot com. <laughs> oh, my God. I am going to get that. <laughs> oh, man. Are Why did we not think of that? You probably could get me fired. <laughs> that, probably, that probably could this do it. Picture Joseph Barkley is an asshole. Dot com. Yeah. Picture you going. <laughs> Two six shooters. Uh, yeah, that might, at least a verbal written. That would be awesome. Well, you wouldn't be on the Who Is record. I'd gladly put his name on there. I would put it all in his name. Well, now, but you've let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> he doesn't Somebody listen to the show back. anymore. Um, are there any video games dealing with stand-up comedy? No, <laughs> no there are not. There really are. not any Grand Theft Autos? You don't go in a stand-up comedy club? Or... No, not that I've seen or uh, or remember. Um, I want to say, though, that maybe in uh, L.A. Noir. Yeah, I was going to. I, I, I was feel like there guess. was some kind of thing that had to do with Like, I don't think you ever saw him do it. Yeah. But there was a guy who was a maybe a stand-up. And why? Know. Why can't games do comedy well? Why, I think they do. Name a game that has made you laugh out loud, like a, like a like good a sitcom, good, okay. like Ninja Turtles, the uh, Nickelodeon. I laugh throughout it, and and I'm not a child. Uh, yeah. But I will laugh watching it because the jokes are well timed yeah. with the action intermixed. You are playing a game where. The action is just intrinsic to it. Games, action, taking care of, check. Where, why? That's interesting. Can't we get some good jokes in there? Because the only ones that I can think of are funny. Are, are it's also not an area that I'm, I'm kind of new to it. But it's like the Ratchet and Clanks. Those yeah. are kind of funny and, got and well moments. written. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's not like. <laughs> yeah. I would not laugh as hard as that as I have at Everybody Loves Raymond. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I get. I'm like, oh, that's cute. I get it. That is funny. I get what you're. There's a but lot of I get what jokes. you're doing. There's humor. It's it's fun. But I can watch watch a DreamWorks movie. Watch uh, you know uh, Ice Age or any of those, and they're funny. Mm-hmm. Like you do it, and, and it makes you laugh. The closest again that I've ever experienced to something that made me laugh was Ghostbusters the video game, where it had uh, intentional yes. jokes yes. that said something because that was it was. Funny. And, and here, this is my theory, and it is entirely unfair, and mm-hmm. I think it might be wrong, but. Uh, my thought was is that comedy is uh, – like the reason I started doing stand-up when I moved to Los Angeles, which I think actually this will tie into an email we have later. But when I moved to Los Angeles and started to pursue acting, I quickly realized that uh, I was going in and there were 10 guys that looked like me or I looked way less attractive yeah. than these guys. And I was constantly being reminded of how ugly I am by getting, all right, here's your breakdown. You're the out-of-shape guy or the overweight guy or the schlubby guy. And you're not out-of-weight schlubby enough to be that guy. No, well, yes, maybe, yeah, maybe not over a top. There was one that it's like, we want the overweight guy, and they were like, uh, it's kind of a stretch for you. Yeah. Because they wanted somebody really big, right, big, right, big. Right. But, um, so anyway, after doing that, I was just like, you know, and I go, I just feel like there's so many things that you have to do to make these things line up mm-hmm. to be able to build a career that I need something that is more uh, input output, like whatever you put into it, you get out of it. Yeah. And uh, I stumbled upon doing stand up and the books I read that they said the nice thing about stand up is that if you're funny and you work at it, then you'll 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 be able to make a living. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why I started doing the stand up. 
um, is because it was this natural thing. What got me onto that? Oh, so here's my point. Comedy. So comedy. So comedy has this natural filter to it, and it is. I think it is a very hard thing to achieve that very few people can honestly do it really, really well, yeah. and especially in the written form. Yeah. And so when you have somebody who can do it well in the written form, then they usually go on to the most lucrative, and by lucrative I mean whatever hours you put into it versus the money you make from yeah. it, and it usually is film. And then after that is television. Mm -hmm. And my assumption is is that if you are writing for a video game, the man hours are so insanely long that it's it's hard when somebody who could write a really funny video game could go, I could work in a six-hour day. Oh, interesting. And go do this at a TV show. That might be true. That you know might what I mean? be true. But it seems to me that with the with the it, the Pacific Ocean size sea of of writers out there, that some develop some studio with some cash would say. You know what? We, let's get let's get some comedy writers on this. Like, let's stop throwing money at the wrong thing. Because, but it's not something the market is dying for. It's something that you and I just kind of stumbled on right now. We've mentioned like, it oh, before. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, at the, right. But I'm saying that I'm saying that it's not something that when we talk about gaming, it's not something that we are. Everybody's like, oh, great. Yes, I could I can be a virtual soldier and uh, fight terrorists. But where are the jokes? You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. nobody's really doing that. What they but care what about is what it looks like and what is it like to play, yeah. ultimately. But I do think that you're right in that if somebody did do that, mm -hmm. that it would be such a huge diversion that yeah. it would be a humongous hit. That's exactly it. And I think we're starting to see that. I think this this last generation of game consoles is really going to push narratives in general. You have games like Two Souls that are like, we, we're going to talk about the afterlife and we're going to take it serious. you got Last of Us that you're playing right now that is really trying to focus on solid performance and an interesting narrative. And I think, I think we're going to see people try to move into markets that we haven't done with this with this open-ended uh, user choosing um uh, narrative mm -hmm. where somebody's going to go you know what would be great is something that's actually funny not that something that's supposed to be funny like yeah. jar jar binks um I think that I've seen you've we've seen tons of games that they you could tell that that was supposed to be a joke or they're like Grand Theft Auto has a lot of those where it's like they're the the kooky character yeah um, that and, and what that made me think of is that it's funny that video games seem to, you know how if you watch movies from like the fifties and then you compare them today, like even a really good movie from the fifties that has like cinematic praise, yeah, yeah, like yeah. let's say you put on Citizen Kane mm. and then you watch uh, Godzilla with Matthew Broderick. Okay, now you watch that as a person, I think you are innately going to be more entertained by Godzilla with Matthew Broderick than you are Citizen Kane, probably. And I think it's because performance has evolved as well. Like, not only the technology, but I think that what is acceptable for you to do in a scene uh, is, like, what you could do then is no longer... Like, if you watch those old... Uh, we yeah. talked about it, the Batman serials, too, like, yeah, is yeah, another yeah. example, where it's like, we couldn't we couldn't watch that. What you're actually... What you're describing is media literacy. Right. And that we as a culture have become more uh, attuned to something on television looking more like what reality actually is. Mm -hmm. uh, because Citizen Kane is a billion times better than Godzilla. Right. Is, is your point. But the... But the... Our ability to be able to watch a film as an audience has increased and the ability to create a movie has increased um you know down to like editing and those sort of things those conventions didn't exist but now we as a culture understand it and we can propagate it and we can move it forward um 
You don't so do- my point, though, was is that I think that if you look at a game like Grand Theft Auto, that the character archetypes yeah. are almost based in like a 50s, 60s, like Western or something. I like there, there are these character archetypes that they just plug in yeah. to fit this, and it's an over-the-top stereotype of some kind. And I, I would go back like to— Like a hop scene from Bonanza, yeah. you know what I mean? And I, I think that's why uh, my example of Phantom Menace is so appropriate to this, because it was George Lucas, for all of his genius, ha- you know, had this idea of doing this comedy character without actually having any idea of what comedy was or, or how to tell a story that had any comedy in it at all. And, and, and things that we think are funny, like poop jokes, are not actually funny. Yeah. Um, and that, and that was the mistake that, that are, you know, for the next seven generations, they'll be damning him for making this choice <laughs> of, of trying to do comedy without actually doing comedy. And I think you, what you're describing, we see in games all the time that people want to do comedy. We're going to do, we're going to put something funny in here. So we do something that's supposed to be funny instead of it actually being funny and writing a joke. And it's also, this is more of my ignorance within the industry is that I don't, I feel like a lot of the people doing writing also come from a technical background more than they depends. Necessarily, you know they're what I mean? probably more comic book artists. That if they're not someone on staff that that is just kind of funny or an animator that's got a flair for for narrative or for dialogue, then they're um, then they will hire a novel or a comic book writer or a person that writes for video games. But you're right; it's very rare that they see somebody grab you know a famous television writer or somebody that's working in 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 media or in film or whatever, uh, which is probably to the detriment of it because. Uh, video games are more like television and film than they're ever like comic books. Mm-hmm. It's just that the material is similar to comic books uh, in that they're more imaginative, more explosive, maybe some cartoons. But but a cartoon w- a cartoon writer will understand video games better, I think, than a comic book writer would. Yeah, and uh, I think that what that made me think of is that I think Deadpool, which is what kind of what I was thinking of mm-hmm. too, is I think that Deadpool is kind of really going at being an action comedic game. Mm, which that'll it, be fun. It fits into his character, yeah, and yeah, it yeah. fits into like what you were talking about, too, about comic books. The other thing that that made me think of is that I think, com- as we know, comedy is all about timing. And uh, What's it you- about? Timing. Oh. Uh, and that if what you- is it about? <laughs> timing. <laughs> it also comes in threes. <laughs> but that this when is you the have Justin and Kevin School of Comedy College <laughs> podcast, brought to you by Snake Staples. When you have to staple a snake. <laughs> wow, that was that was, that was that was one of those moments where we genuinely cracked ourselves up. That doesn't get more. more more of this we made ourselves laugh. <laughs> oh, it would have been so great had I been able to get I've, it out. I don't think I've ever heard you laugh that hard at yourself, though. Uh, that's good. The problem is that I, I kind of had an out of body experience there. I was like, I'm actually gonna, I'm actually gonna pull this off. Snake staples. Uh, I recommend. I had to staple your snake. <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're in an environment where you can say something out loud without being considered crazy, or if you can't, it'll make it even more fun. But I dare you to say snake staple right now or staple a snake, and you'll see how much fun it is to say and why I stop. We'll, we'll wait. <laughs> 
See, it was pretty right? good. Right. <laughs> um, but I think with like loading and stuff like that, that the timing might also be hard to be able to hit. I, I would have, you would have been right seven years ago or on the PS2 or something, but not anymore. But I mean, that also could be what, you know what I mean? Like it, it drives trends. Oh, Everything sure. is always going to follow whatever made the most money last. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? That's the direction that everybody's going to go. So if in the beginning it's hard to create comedy and it's not like people are sitting, there's not many comedy writers that are like you know what i also love video games and this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna make a hilariously funny video game and it's also hard because i'm assuming that everybody who's in the entertainment or in even the video game industry has some level of an understanding of how subjective comedy is yeah whereas everybody can relate to a concept of uh like last of us like the the post-apocalyptic world the survival aspect of it there's things that you can connect to where uh, comedy is very subjective, and so you could do one direction of comedy, like say George Lucas thought he was doing with fart jokes, yeah, and and then it kind of it can alienate a section of the demographic because maybe they're more into nerdy references, yeah, or something agree. along those agree. lines. Yeah, you know, I, I, the one game that I have laughed out loud for him uh, recently is Ducktales remastered. Oh, and really? I, I haven't been. I can't tell. First, I don't know if the dialogue was originally in the game. Uh, because they've added the voice actors to it, but I'm definitely laughing at it. But I also don't know if it's because it touches my my childhood that I'm like, ah, oh, gear gyro, he's talking funny. Uh, your launchpad McQuack. Maybe it's also. It it's seems just, like it's pretty funny. They they also have. Uh, there's a lot of these moments where I feel like comedic moments in video games are much like they were in silent films. Like that, <laughs> yes. it's where it's like I, that made me think of Mario Brothers. Like I feel like there are bits of like takes in. Yeah, in the newer Mario oh, Brothers games, that there, there was a moment in Yoshi's Island, uh, Super Mario World Two, where uh, Yoshi has that you have this weird battle where you get eaten by a giant frog, and then you f- you're inside of his stomach, and you he eats things, and you grab the things that he eats, and you spit them back out and hit his, what's essentially his the little dangly thing, yeah, in the back of his throat, but it's inside his stomach, and so when you finally when you win. You go the other way, <laughs> and you get plopped out uh, of the back end, and, and then the frog explodes. And Yoshi makes this deadpan and just stares at you wide-eyed with his eyes looking directly at the screen like, can you believe what just I just got shat out of a giant frog? And my brother and I <laughs> laughed and laughed that they actually made that joke of him like, yeah, that happened. <laughs> but you're right; it's a little silent, filmy. But still, I can Very still funny. see Yoshi's face of like. Uh... It's funny because I, while you're sitting there, when you're giving the setup to that, in my mind, I'm going. The funniest way is for that because that game is so two dimensional. Yeah. The funniest moment is for him to stop, look directly out That's of the right. television, and just blink. Yep. Yep. In like shock and awe. Like a Muppet. <laughs> and then immediately step out of it and go doop, 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 yep. doop, 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 and go right back to it. it. I think it. I think it's slow, uh, like they pinhole slow clothes. <laughs> yeah, on his, like, and onto his eyes. Uh, now I have to go play that game. Uh, oh. Let's go behind the controller. <laughs> oh, where is it? It's under the couch. Wait, I meant to the entertainment center. Uh, <laughs> pick up the couch and pull out the TV, guys. Pre-production, pre-production. So last week I didn't get to tell you what I was playing, but right now on my PS Vita, I have been playing a game that was downloadable called 
uh, Sin Mora or Sign Mora. I'm not sure it's Italian or something. Mm. It's this game here. Mm-hmm. Um, did you play it on your PS Vita? I do not have that on my PS Vita. You should get it. Oh, I need to find some new no. games for my PS Vita. What so, happened? Uh, well, I was going to load it up, but then I'd have to stop playing uh, your Uncharted in the middle of it. But uh, So I'll just describe it to you using my ability to use words. Can't wait to see this. So pretty snake pictures. <laughs> <laughs> when you got a stable of snake. I mean, why would you need to stable a steak. More often than you're not, Kevin. Could you imagine? It's, it's a problem that we all face uh, on everyday life. So, um, Especially people that live in deserts. I've <laughs> got to stable me a couple of these steaks together. I'm going to put them on a desk. It's going to make everybody laugh. Thanks, uh, Cletus. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Snake staples. So, um, it, you know, talking about uh, game conventions and how things have changed, uh, this game is a traditional uh, 2D side-scrolling uh, shoot-'em-up airplane game. Oh, wow. Where, you know, like uh, Battle 42 or any of those. But it's So it's uh, not a top view, but a side it's view? It's a top-down, but it's a side view. Uh, and there was plenty of games like that. That was yeah. going back to Atari. There were a lot of games where you go through caves and whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, this one has a time element to it uh, where you can uh, – you have, like, 40 seconds to beat a level, and then as you destroy things – you get more time on the clock. You also have the ability to control time. You can slow it down. You can speed it up depending on what's happening. So you're supposed to be like – it's a little like um, Sky Captain of the World of Tomorrow. It's sort of this, uh, you know, biplanes and with against mechanized uh, cannons on tracks and stuff. So it's pretty imaginative. It's very Japanese-ish. Um and that style. And so all that's really fun. And there's just a ton of action coming at you. They'll, they'll shoot guns and, you know, there's like 50 bullets coming at you all at once. And you have to, like, navigate through the bullets so you don't get hit. But the the reason why it catches my eye and why I think it's fascinating is that um, it is a three-dimensional game. So it, it's all in 3D modeling. Everything about it is 3D. You Even as you play, you'll be wrapping around a building or wrapping around a track or or loop, you know, the mountain will move. You're a three-dimensional object, in a everything. two-dimensional gameplay. But the, t- the gameplay is up, down, back, for- forward. You don't control depth. So you, the pitch isn't part of it if, it if it were a piloting game. So it takes all the fun and, and beauty and dimension of a three-dimensional game and makes it extremely accessible to mm-hmm. anybody picking it up um, that you can, you, you can hand it to a kid and they'd be like, oh, I get it. So to get it right in my head that the... The background scrolling yeah. is moving three dimensional, so the the animation is that you're spinning around this mo- building yeah. in a corkscrew esque yeah. fashion. Uh, but in the actual gameplay, it's you're only moving you're up, down, left, yeah. right. So everything, yeah, the scene behind you will be spinning around, but you're moving. But then you'll finish a phase, and the camera will go, will cross the line, as we say in film, and it'll spin around you 180 degrees, and you'll flip, and and it'll uh, show you from the other view. So then you'll start, you'll like, you're fighting a, a train on a track, and there are these cannons. You finally kill all the cannons, and then the camera will come behind you and come around, and then show you that there are more cannons on the other side of the track oh. on the other side of the train like left to right and then you start fighting those as well That's but cool. but it keeps it all on this two-dimensional plane the entire time uh so it's really it's really cool it's a great way to kind of play with that dimension make it really accessible 
but also uh, make it visually uh, equivalent to today as opposed to just sprites moving back through the background. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, in our conversation about media literacy, that's where I see the, the convergence of, of, of gameplay versus um, a, a technology. Uh, instead of just keep playing games the same way or building games the same way, uh, they're building games differently, using 3D modeling, using something that's interesting. But then instead of the constantly increasing the complexity of the game, making it something that's super simple, we can all do up, down, left, right. You know, and Which we is saw a great th- idea for the Vita is that you, exactly. could, you could put it, create a great game, Make but it, because you keep it simple, it's great mobile. Yeah, and it's, a, it's, a, it's exactly like that. It's like playing Angry Birds or something super yeah, simple, easy to pick up. to a pig. Yeah, and, and like I can go up, down, left, right. I can figure that out. And, uh, and that's what I – we saw that like when the PS2 came out. They're like, oh, great, we have the ability to move through a world and then suddenly the player has to worry about all three dimensions and camera angles and you know you go over to someone's house to play halo or whatever and they're stuck in a corner and they're looking up the wall because it's you you have to have that mind for being able to control the camera as well as the the aim and all this at the same and then and then forget about actually doing the thing you're supposed to do so you've seen uh, this is a cool way of controlling the camera for the player but still giving it uh you know a, a fun fresh take yeah i i need to get some that's i was thinking about that recently because i've been playing a lot of madden on my vita but mm-hmm. i need to uh i'm gonna just ditch siphon filter because i tried to pick it up and i'm just not into it like it's what like, is siphon filter siphon filter is an old playstation game uh i think it was maybe playstation or playstation 2 possibly i played the original siphon filter remember i played that clip and it's that guy talks like nick nolte oh yeah, 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 yeah. and what can, I've got to go over here. Ugh, you know, that's like, great. And uh, I just I remember loving Siphon Filter, mm-hmm. but what I realized is that the reason I loved Siphon Filter was because it was new. It was before SOCOM or any of that yeah, stuff. It was yeah. an action adventure game. It was. It's like watching Heathcliff or Thundercats. You're like, ah, this was amazing. Not anymore. Yeah. Uh, and so it predates uh, Splinter Cell and all mm-hmm. those games. And so I'm like, oh, they made a sequel, and I never played it. This would be fun. And Abe's Odyssey gave me a nostalgic part of, you know, even though I later realized that I was like 20 when I think Abe's Odyssey came out. But anyway. Still nostalgic. Yeah, but it gave me that, oh, and now I realize that what I need to do is I need to just play, like, I'm going to get, the I think, the Rayman Origins game. Yeah. I'm hoping that soon they'll come out with Ratchet Ratchet and Clank, uh, like, all of the games on the Vita. Like, then I would would play the hell out of those. Uh, Or Sly Cooper. Would you I play have Sly that. I've already played it. Would you play it on the Vita? Oh, I will. I think I finished them all now. Yeah, I think you have. Yeah. Um, do you, are you, so Rayman Legends and Origins is available. Origins is a little older. Legends is newer. Mm. Uh, just came out last week, actually. Which one will you pick up? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to look at them. Get the Origins. It's cheaper. Okay. <laughs> it's we'll older. There. But it's a port. So uh, it came out on the, the Wii and whatever uh, a little while ago. It looks great. In fact, when it, when the Vita first came out, it was the game I'd show people, this is how cool the Vita is because yeah. it was simple and it looked beautiful. That's what I think. I think I'm going to get my platforming gaming uh, off of the Vita, and then I'll still keep get the Madden game for to fill in in between those and and all that stuff, and it keeps you, it keeps me boned up on my skills. Nice, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Got to keep fresh. Uh, but yeah, that's keep it. fresh. Uh, oh, I wanted to talk about. Uh, are we still in the entertainment center? Or are we we can go time? wherever. Okay, because uh, for the, a long time ago, uh, by glad I mean a month ago, probably we got an email from a listener that was asking about uh, my thoughts on the new owner mode. On Madden. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And yes. uh, so I got the Madden 25, and I it was it's all the same functionality that it had before, but there what they did was they gave an interesting consequence 
to that. And now, now you could follow uh, fan tweets, and they comment on uh, you know the cost of concessions, the cost of jerseys. You have memorabilia. Uh, there's a dynamic to players that sign. There's a new attribute called personality. So you, when you sign a new player and they have a, a high rating for personality, they have a strong chance of becoming your star players. And so you ah. usually have about a top four or five uh, players, and that's the one that everybody buys their jersey based that's on cool. how much personality they have. And then that also comes into play in negotiating their contracts and stuff like that. Whether I or not they, they sign a football with a Sharpie. Yes. Is the yes. guy still playing? No, he, he retired. But anyway, um, they and then it's also the the mini game, if you would, is to try to build. Although there's not like, oh, you did it, now you're done. But you get to build your team into being the uh, number one uh, valued franchise. Oh, so right that is now, fun. and my Niners are the eighth ranked franchise, and it's it's winning really, Super Bowls. I imagine helps. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, and and what's funny is is that so like I can only offer uh, potato chips. French fries, uh, soda, and a chicken <laughs> salad. And, uh, yeah, or potato salad, or uh, baked potatoes, <laughs> or I, I think we're sponsored by Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> no, I only have like four, I think, items on my concession, and it's because my stadium is so old that I can't even upgrade my concession stands to offer more. And you are at Candlestick? Or I am at Candlestick. Uh, so when it goes, you need to upgrade your stadium. So I go to the stadium to upgrade it. My stadium is currently under construction and will be available in 2014. Just like reality. So in the game, uh, next year I will get to play in the new Santa Clara, uh, Santa Clara oh, Stadium cool. and upgrade it as the owner. There's a great dynamic uh, that it lets you do where, uh, just like it did with the coaches that had uh, motivator, strategist, and team builder. Yeah, the yeah. three different kind of coaches slash general managers you got to play last year. At uh, Man 25, they have the uh, former player, the lifelong fan. And then they also have the financial mogul. Mm. So the guy who owns the Jaguars is a financial mogul. He's, a, you know, who likes football but had a ton of money. Uh, an example of lifelong fan, they said, is Bob Kraft, is the owner of the Patriots. And then, uh, Oh, he's a lifelong fan. Yes, and I, I, uh, I can't remember who they had as an example. But he's of a, also a financial mogul. <laughs> I think Tom Landry was a, a, a former – I guess what they're trying to say, though, is that, like, nobody knows – who the guy who owns the Jacksonville Jaguars, unless you're a big fan. You're right, right, right. But everybody seems to know who Robert Kraft is. Everybody knows who Bob Kraft is yep. because he also defines himself as being a huge fan. Oh, I see. Like, he grew up. That's his story. Yeah. The reason he owns the Patriots is because he grew up there and was a fan of the Patriots when he was younger. I that's, see, I see. That's the idea of at least that element. So we, I made myself as a lifelong fan of the Niners, and I'm an owner, and uh, and did that. So that was cool. Um, so you know that was cool. That was all right. I just I own the Niners. I own the Niners mm, now, cool. and I wear I, I wear T-shirts because uh, that's I'm a, I'm a man of the people <laughs> in my millions. But what's an interesting thing is that so it records whether your sales are up or down on your uh, merchandise, your concessions, your ticket sales. People tweet that they love how you're. They're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how cheap that is, and that's kind of a sign to like you might want to increase the prices, uh, or they yeah, tell yeah, you, yeah. oh my gosh, it's way too expensive for this, and you lower it down. Uh, what's interesting. Your values, so you have like a, a staple amount in your checking account kind of thing. If you have an away game, you still pay out salaries to your staff, but you have no money coming in, which I thought was really yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, so you can't good. just blow through your money and then be negative money when you ha- when it comes. I don't know how that works or, or, or any of that yet because I just started playing the game. But 
Um, so to answer their question from months ago is that now I think they did what I uh, what I did not think they were going to do was that they actually made it to where there is something at stake if you are in owner mode on the game. So uh, can I play owner mode without playing a single game? That's I really think, and I wish that they had that. I don't. I guess it's not that important. But Sim NFL owner. Yeah, they had that. You remember they? Well, it's head yeah. coach is what they had. But yeah. and then they also had a. Um, there was a computer game called uh, Front Office that mm-hmm. EA Sports put out that was like Madden Front Office, and that you were you were just the general manager and you just negotiated just contracts. Just the general manager. Uh, you couldn't even watch <laughs> the games, but you would see them kind of simulate and how the scores happen and oh, what the plays cool. did, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or you could just simulate the game and find out the stats afterwards. But uh, another interesting thing about the new owner mode on Madden, I don't know if it does it if you're a head coach as opposed to an owner, but there's a media question. Oh, what and is based that? on how oh, you yeah. answer the media question. So, like, it says, uh, how do you respond to the people saying that, you know, just because you're a fan doesn't mean that you should own the team, you know, kind of thing. Yep. And, uh, and, like, there's three options. And based, I chose the option of saying, well, I think if we're winning, nobody's going to really care where I came from. This is the one I chose. And so what that means is that it puts uh, – if you win, your team popularity goes up by 15%. Uh, if you lose, your team popularity goes down by 20%. Sure. So in a sense, so it's saying that – you put a stake on it. You put a stake on – I'm. What were some of the other options that you could have chosen? One of the options was, uh, well, I'm all about the fans. Uh, I've always – I know because I grew up a fan – and so I'm going to make sure that we do right by the fans. And mm-hmm. I don't, I didn't choose that option, so I don't know what's at stake there. Um, and then I think, uh, what was the other one? I can't remember. I think we're just going to. I think it was something to the effect of we're going to bring in the best guys uh, to bring home a championship, mm-hmm. or you know that kind of vibe. Um, and but then if you don't bring in the best guys, I guess yeah. then the, I, there has to be something at stake at that. But I'm, I'm so far I'm pretty happy with it. Um, it's a it's an interesting dynamic to the game that I, I was I was batting. I created a league where I'm the coach, and then I created another league where I'm the owner of the Niners. And I was going to kind of try and play through both of them, but I think I might uh, just play through as the owner just to try it. And if I hate it, I think I can retire and come back as an uh, as a coach anyway, so it doesn't matter. But so that that was all I had. On that sounds that. fun. It is. It's a. I think that what I was going to say in response to what you said is that. I think they do need to put that in there, at least a thing where you can – back in the day, they had this thing where you could just hike the ball, hit X, yeah. and then your guys would play out the game. Right. You know what I mean? You could call the plays and all that stuff. Now, the only way you could do owner mode and not ha- is you could uh, just simulate the games, mm-hmm. and then you wouldn't have to play them at all. Uh, there was also an option, I think, where uh, back in the day when you hit ready is you would put your controller in the middle and then hit go. And so, in a sense, both teams would be controlled by the computer, and then you could watch the game. Oh, that'd be cool. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Mode. Like broadcast mode You might or even be able yeah. to do that on uh, Madden 13, but I don't know. But that's all on the uh, Entertainment Center, I think, now we've talked about that, right? I, I want to go to a new segment oh, that boy. we have called Nerd Rage. Yes. Uh, but I need you to hit stop. Oh. Nerd Rage. And we're back with Nerd Rage. Nerd Rage. Nerd Rage. That's not okay, Nerd Rage. I'm so angry. So one of the best Nerd Rage funk, uh, funk, uh, fake punts was what I was going to say, was that wonderful article on The Onion um, that the guy wrote about the Nerd Rage he had from it going to see Batman, the third Batman movie, Mm -hmm. uh, Dark Knight Mm -hmm. Rises, and then Nerd Raging about how all... 
<laughs> about the scene that took place in the football field. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that article I shared it with you? And so he says, you know, I went to the, we saw this movie because we saw it had football in it and we were so disappointed because it only had like three minutes of football references. And then it, and then it just tore apart all the, the factual inconsistencies of the uh, fact that uh, evidently that the team was supposed to be the Steelers. Yeah. Uh, and that Bill Cower was the coach, right. even though he hadn't coached the Steelers in six years. And yeah, what's the point? Get it right, and why would Aaron Rodgers be and there? How could and this guy just walk onto the field? And, yeah, you know, with security, yeah. and, and it's uh, <laughs> the, and, and that the field would fall apart, and everybody would just sit there in the stands. And Grand Rapids is is not a a, a major market city, and yeah. they would never have a football team that could play against a city like Gotham. Gotham. And it was brilliant, <laughs> absolutely brilliant. So I wish that this was that. Uh, <laughs> in so, that it was sarcasm or uh, that would, it, it was satirical? fake yeah uh-huh mm-hmm. yeah i wish it was um so there is a, a website i i saw the hobbit finally on blu-ray because we have a child and we can't go out to see movies so for our uh our three-year wedding anniversary we popped in the uh epic movie uh the hobbit that takes about as much time to watch as a season of 24 <laughs> jeez this movie is long yeah. you, you, did you see it yeah. Yeah, it's great. Beautiful. And I didn't mind going into it because I was like, I know it's long. So we actually took like intermissions. I think it took us four and a half hours yeah. to finish the movie. Uh, but it was decent. So uh, I then I couldn't remember the book, The Hobbit, and I knew that there wasn't originally enough material for them to break it into uh, three films. It was like, they've got to be doing some stretching here, pulling from other material, uh, all of which is fine. But I knew that there are people that, that love Tolkien – um, so much that they loved him before. It was cool to love nerdy things. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, they have dedicated copious amounts of websites to it. So there's one called theonering.com. And they have a whole section in here of nerd raginess that uh, discusses the differences between the movies and the books for all four films that have been made to date. So they go through all the movies, and they'll give you the discrepancies. It's great for me because I haven't read the books in years, and I'm not going to just to be like, oh, that was different in the book. <laughs> that was different in the movie. But it's good that they broke it down. And so I was really impressed of like, oh, this is this is good, and this is helpful. Uh, and each, each of the discrepancies has uh, four entries, the film version, the book version, then a pro for the change, and then a con. <laughs> so, yes, please. <laughs> now, the, uh, the for the most part, the thing that's fascinating about it is that it, it it does a really good job of reporting. The film version just gives you like in a sentence and a half, like you know what the ver- what the film was. Then it gives you the 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 difference in the book real fast, and then it gives a very solid reason. Why they made the pro that they changed the 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 from the book to the film, usually citing things like it's more economical this way, it makes more sense for a film version, the mo- the movie's moving faster, you have to emotionally tie yourself to characters, things that people know when you make a film. So I don't know if, if this is somebody's blog, or if they they're surmising uh, statements about pros and cons, but it's very well written. But then the problem is because they leave con for last. I can only assume that the that the website stance is con because it's a la- it gets the last word. But they're incredibly weak arguments most of the time for why it's a bad idea to change from the book to the film. Let me give you one of my favorite examples. Um, <laughs> uh, so, Dwarves Out of the Hood. 
Film version. The dwarves who come to Bilbo's door are hoodless. Their beards are normal human color, and their clothing color is dark and muted colors. This is a discrepancy enough for them to create an entry in the book, or in this website. Book, as the dwarves arrived at Bag End, they described as follows. Dwalin has a a blue beard and a dark green hood. Balin is a white beard and a scarlet hood. Keely, Feely, each have yellow beards and blue hoods. Dory, Nori, Ori, and Orin have uh, glo- and Gloin have two purple hoods and a gray hood, a brown hood, and a white hood. Bealford, Borford, and Boomar that sounds like more hoods than dwarves. Exactly, have two yellow hoods and a pale green one. And Thorin is wearing a blue sky hood with a long silver tassel. Pro. The lack of hoods allow viewers to differentiate the dwarves uh, through through their hair and beard, styling without resorting to bright color clothing uh, that would distract from the rest of the scene. Yes, exactly. That's exactly why they didn't have the seven dwarves walk in. They looked like Mm. the rest of the film, and they looked like little dwarves. The con. These changes done for the sake of realism is an unnecessary departure from what is supposed to be a children's story. That's their reasoning. Bright colors makes it a children's story. <laughs> How dare you remove these from it? Now, again, they took the time to be like that was different. That was different. <laughs> this this one I love. Bilbo's contract, film version. Thorin and the dwarves present Bilbo with a lengthy contract for his bur- burglar services. Book version. Thorne and company leave Bilbo with a two-paragraph note written on Bilbo's own note paper left for him under the uh, clock and the mantle. Very specific. <laughs> Very specific. <laughs> they need you to know what this was uh, before this contract. If you remember the film, it's a very funny piece mm-hmm. of business. He unrolls this thing and has like uh, flaps on it. It's very legal mumbo jumbo, and he mumbles to himself about how they won't keep him safe. The pro version. A lengthy note is more humorous prop, suggesting all the complications and dangers that await Bilbo. Exactly. It was funny. It had style. It It had wits. Yeah, it's everything. Con. (laughs) This is an unnecessary deviation from Tolkien's story. That's it. (laughs) That's why I bothered to note that it was different. (laughs) Because it was unnecessary. Because it was unnecessary. It's not true to the original. They they wrote a two-paragraph note and put it under a clock in the mantle. Damn it! Nerd rage! How dare you change that? How dare you change it? <laughs> Can you imagine there being something that you care about so much that that would bother you? Yeah. No. I, 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 that's this where is, I get confounded. This is a very well-written yeah. Pros and cons. I mean, the website. Well, is just that well right there. Out. See how see how you and I look at it. That it's like, uh, we, we're. What, I think what we're saying here is when you say we're well written, that we're both on the same page of saying clearly this is not a crazy person. Yeah, 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 yeah. You that they I mean? they're articulate and yes. a lot of nerd rage is rambling and just violent accusations. Ninety five percent they have one point, and then they spend the rest of their time talking about how stupid and ignorant and hateful that other person is. Yeah. Really, they're talking to themselves. Right. They don't know that, yeah. but they're they're just placing this blame on this other person that has no no reason to have this label on them. Right. This is not that. Nope. They're very clearly able to articulate what the difference is and reasons for and against 
it. <laughs> Concisely. Concisely. I mean, it's an easy read, and it's quite fun. Unnecessary deviance. Deviation <laughs> from the story. Uh, you know, and one, I can't find it uh, quick enough, but there's one that says... If I had a talk show, I would have Phil Jackson on to talk about this. <laughs> oh, that would be good. You're like, let's just go through these. Why did you do this? Is that true? No. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you... Okay, yeah. This this is my favorite. This is the best one. Betting on Bilbo. Film version. As they ride out of Hobbiton, Bilbo learns that the dwarves had bet Gandalf that Bilbo would not show up or go with them. Book, there is no equivalent passage. Meaning to say, they invented this yeah. entire sequence. Pro, the ar- uh, the argument provides a reason for Gandalf... Oh, I'm sorry, I just moved to the wrong page. <laughs> Pro, the, seed ad- the scene adds some welcome humor. It does. It it doesn't say it here, but it also uh, creates. Uh, it very quickly tells you the emotional connection that Gandalf has to Bilbo. It does some other things, but yes, it adds some some welcome humor. Con. <laughs> this new material takes screen time that would better devoted to the scenes that would found. Sorry, <laughs> I can't even get through it. The new material takes screen time that would be better devoted to scenes found in the book. Because that is the ultimate goal of the movie, is to read the transcript of the book on film. How dare you How dare you invent new material and cut out a lengthy four-paragraph sequence about what was in the stew? Nerd rage! You know what's going to be great about this new segment? Is you and I getting rage-filled over nerd rage. <laughs> I don't think I can do it. I don't think I. I don't think I have the patience. Because <laughs> that's now what's making me laugh is how angry you are at this person. Because now you need your snake staple gun because you're a snake eating itself. Like, you know, like <laughs> wheels within wheels, man. Wheels within wheels. But can, that's the part that I feel has always been my weirdness with nerd rage. Is I just wish I could understand. I, I wish I had something I cared about that much. Yeah. I have children. And if people were upset at me about the way that I was raising my children and wrote me a letter or so, or made a movie about it, I'd be like, eh. Yeah. I'd be like, whatever. Okay. Okay. You, you, I've seen some things get underneath your skin, but you're often able to ca- talk yourself down to the point where you don't actually do anything. Yeah. Which is the ultimate point. That's the mark of a mature person. You uh, Things should affect you. Words yeah. should have impact on you. That makes you not crazy. That makes you aware that your that your existence has repercussions, and it makes you not a celebrity. So <laughs> you you are able to receive <laughs> that other people, and that's good that you internalize it, and then you choose a course of action of what to do with those emotions and those thoughts. Because it bothers me that uh, I could take my son to go see a Ninja Turtle movie, and that they're going to be aliens and not mutants. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like that that bugs me. Yeah. But it's not, and it makes me go, ugh. But you could the also sad make part, the choice of not going to right. the film. The sad part is, is I will probably still go. I, He's you not going to do it. I won't go to the movie theater. I'll rent it. They, he changed his mind. Oh, he did? The he nerd back. backlash was strong enough. It's like, well, he, the, oh, now, now, he Xbox won it. Now we're in trouble. <laughs> now Why we're in so? trouble because now that they've, they've, there's a precedent. <laughs> you know what For I mean? nerd rage. Yeah. I, I think the precedence is on the bad idea. Mm. I think I think Michael Bay pushed it because I Teenage I, Mutant Ninja Turtles 
teenage alien introduced. That's my point. Like, yeah. you can't you can't do that. I think that's that's why. Like, voting polls, you know, like, what's the population of people that are willing to go out and vote? They're the people that kind of care a little bit. But when you put something, like the presidential election, then yeah. suddenly more people show up. You, you got enough. Like, I would have been like, I'll sign a petition that says, please don't make that movie. Why waste America? <laughs> why why do this to yourself? Right. I won't go see it. Although it would have been pretty cool say he didn't back down, and then somebody started a Kickstarter to make a real blockbuster, like just the millions of dollars that could be generated yeah, by Ninja Turtles fans. Ninja Turtles. And if it could just eclipse the budget he has for that movie, it would just be amazing in the, my opinion. The thing that I don't get is why now? Like, why with the... I mean, Nickelodeon's Ninja Turtles are killing it. Mm -hmm. Just killing it out there, which is why the idea of a Ninja Turtle film even is on the table, because Mm -hmm. it's finally... It's relevant again for the first time in 15 years. To then go, yeah, I don't want to do that. I mean, he kind of gets away with the, the Transformers films just because it's it's more about watching special effects. You turn the music off, which on I that. think I heard on the radio that he is. Uh, they're making new Transformer movies, but he's not involved. That would be amazing. They're it's too a late new though. One with Mark Wahlberg, if they would start over and and uh, use the continuity created from the from the cartoons as original, those are still fascinating stories. Yeah. Much more interesting. The secret war thing. I don't care as long as there's a Peter Cullen in it. That's all I need. Yeah. yeah. That guy. Autobots roll out. God, I oh, that can you voice. get that guy on here? Oh, no. <laughs> and the thing, that's the thing I found with people when you ask them about guests is that because anybody could do a podcast, anybody yeah. and anybody can send an email. But guess I, what? Also, for as many podcasts there are out there, times ten, there are podcast guest requests. Yeah, because <laughs> so yeah, everybody everybody wants to make a podcast. The thing is, we are rare. You know this, yeah. right? There are not people that have do podcasts for five years, one no. one show a week. Yeah, and here's the, we if we would have started it four years earlier than what we did, we'd be five hundred times more popular. Yes. Why didn't I come over? Sooner. I don't why know. didn't why didn't we get this idea? I, I I don't know. We have time to go to the inbox. Oh boy. Because you demanded it segments. <laughs> oh Jesus, I, yeah, I accidentally uh, hit a button. That's the end of our very professional uh, show. We are we after yeah, after we just go. You know what? We are different. <laughs> we are awesome. <laughs> you know, why and I, is that happening? We you know, in the beginning we got to talking about um uh, comedy. I really wanted to go down nostalgia lane and talk about Mario Paint, which is the sound, song of our new opening. So let's uh, make a note to talk about Mario Paint and awesome uh, Nintendo 60, or Nintendo, Super Nintendo games uh, back in the day. Let's do it. I love that. We game. talked a little Yoshi's Island, but we'll we'll bring it back around again. All right. Hold on one second. Really? Okay. Well, uh, something happened with my email, and I cannot find the email. <laughs> yeah. Inbox crash. Uh, you've got no mail. And um, (laughs) these references just (laughs) so great. So hot for the millennials. Here's the deal. Here's the here's the thing is that we we've abandoned the millennials. We really want to just talk to the dads of the millennials. (laughs) So, listen, if you were born after your iPod to your father, if you were born after 1983, can you just stop listening now? I think they have to be after 93. Right? It's it's like eighty five because you would be fifteen around the millennial oh, the millennium. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, somebody though, and I'm sorry that I can't remember your name, but I do remember the question. 
was writing in to uh, talk about, they said they were moving to L.A. and they wanted to get into acting and they wanted some opinions on getting an agent and all that stuff. Mm. Oh. So that's uh, what we had as the question. They wanted your opinion on that. Getting an agent in voiceover in Los Angeles. I would assume that that's what they're talking about. Have, Have you gone down this path? I mean, you, you're actually working more than I am at this point. <laughs> uh, I have. I've started uh, submitting demos to agencies about a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have not gotten any feedback. But it's my assumption that uh, it is just like it is with the clubs. So in getting a comedy club, you have to be persistent without being annoying. And the way to do that is you don't check in every day. It's not like getting a job. My dad told me when I wanted to get a job, he goes, you just go down there every day and, and you'll show them that you're interested and then they'll just give you a job. That that would be true if you worked in a garage. What do you mean? That, that kind of mentality. If you showed up every day at a garage. Right. Or a, a fast mechanic, food place. Or, yeah, they'd yeah. be like, okay, he's he's dedicated and you showed right. some skill because it, it's not so relational, but it's more yes. about, yeah, okay, he means but if, it. But if you, if you send an email every day to a comedy club, then you're annoying because mm. a comedy club is more like a dog year situation and that a week is a day for them. Yeah. And you don't want to send an email every day because they get bombarded with emails. Because they you don't want have to... time to sit down and right. check their email every so day. So you could do it every month. Especially if you write send them a joke every yes. day. Like, here's my joke I came up for you today. Here you go. Although they do appreciate it. I found it's interesting because I originally stopped. I did not want to be funny yeah. in them uh, because I thought that's what everybody tries to show off to how funny they are, which makes them unfunny. And what I learned is that uh, I'll do like five months of that. And then on the sixth month, I'll do something funny. And then sometimes they'll bite, not because it's funny, but it does work more often with getting guests on the show. I've uh, noticed, Like yeah. that happened for me. But anyway, uh, I think that the idea, the real story is that everyone will tell you is that the agent is actually supposed to find you, which it has been my experience that, that is the most frustrating part of that whole thing. Is that, yeah. And the reasoning behind that is, is that representation uh, works for you ultimately. But in order for them to work for you, you need them to be excited about yep. you because you want them to be like, oh, this guy's the next big thing. Uh, and here's what my opinion is on the whole agent manager situation. Uh, now, mind you, I am a guy who makes a living doing stand-up comedy. I do not have a successful acting career. I do not have any kind of industry situation or, or anything like that to where uh, I'm not in development deals. So there are people that are much better at the networking <laughs> side of it We get than it. I am. We get it. <laughs> You're not However, I am going to tell you how everyone is wrong. Um, <laughs> no, that, uh, but I think that there is this uh, idea that you think, oh, well, I just have to find a way to get an agent, and then they will do the work for ah, me. Ah, yes. And that is not the situation. So my approach would be is to come to Los Angeles, and if acting is what you want to do, if I could come to Los Angeles all over again, and I want to do on-camera acting, I would take casting director workshops as often as I could afford. That's what I would do. Uh, if it was uh, voiceover acting that you wanted to get into – I would find a regular uh, part-time job, and I would create uh, demos uh, for myself and then post them up on the Voice123 uh, website or Voices.com. Uh, I would probably start with Voice123 in uh, my personal opinion, um, and I would just do that and keep working. And then once you find that you're booking work, and then you, uh, you can use that money to pay for better equipment and then use uh, and then get some professional demos made. And then once you have professional demos made, 
then you could start taking some there are workshops I've now learned that are available yeah. that you could do that to get in front of people. Um, but really, it's in those workshops are not what they are said to be like the, the sales pitch on the workshop is that you're going to come here. A casting director or an agent or a writer is going to see you. And then now you're going to be a part of their circle and uh, they yeah. might cast you because they, oh, this guy's perfect for this. Now, while I'm sure there are situations where that happens, what you're really doing in all, in all actualities, you're networking with the other people in your course. Yeah, That's what it's really all about, is that you're really there not to meet the guests. I mean, they might have information that you can offer, but it's just about being around other people and sharing ideas and, and building relationships on that level that then could eventually turn into, like, maybe they have some kind of success, and because they know you and think you're talented, then they'll refer you to their agent. Uh, if you ever have an audition, um, I, here's what I do know and has worked out for me. If you're into on camera stuff or even the voiceover stuff, it hasn't worked out for voiceover stuff, but I would assume it would apply. Is that if say you get called in for voiceover uh, and you're in front of a casting director, uh, then and you seem to do a good job, and they you know they're complimentary beyond the oh thanks for coming in, good job, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. kind of thing. But you feel like there's something special about it. Then you could say you know hey. Um, I hope this isn't weird, but I'm looking for representation. Would you be willing to refer somebody or is there somebody you could recommend? And uh, if they did like you, then a lot of times they'll go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they'll go, go to so-and-so. Mm -hmm. And then you say, oh, great. Do you mind if I mention your name? And they'll say, of course, please do it because that's a convention. Yeah. Uh, that was something I found on uh, doing some searching around online when I first moved to L.A. And so the next audition I had, I was actually tanking it, but I was making the casting director laugh. And I said – Hey, just so I know that this couldn't go any worse, I'm actually looking for representation and wanted to know. He goes, Bonnie Black. He, I go, oh, I go, great. Should I just email? He goes, send her a, a headshot resume, put my name on the outside of it, she'll call you. Yep. And that's how I got my first agent in, uh, in nice. Los Angeles. Um when I got here. Yeah, I, I, what I was going to augment your perspective with is your earlier point um, is that workshops and classes I do think are a really uh, important element of, of getting an agent or just being a part of the scene because mm -hmm. so it's really easy now to do exactly what you're doing now, sitting in a room by yourself uh, and with an agent or without and yes. never meet anybody and never network. And it's how the game is played. It's how every business is run is who you know because you don't know if you can trust them. It's not, it's not really about like are you cool or not. Mm -hmm. It's about the fact that they just don't know if you're capable of it unless you meet them. Like mm -hmm. you have – uh, FaceTime is important. That's why human connection is important. So uh, if you're moving to L.A., Take classes left and right, and, and Justin's earlier philosophy about just showing up. Don't show up at the agent's house everywhere, no. but take every class that you can because those networks and that connection will matter. And if people are hosting a, a workshop in a studio, there it, it will the over time you will meet people, yep. and frankly, you'll get better at it because you'll be working you'll be as working. well. Yeah. So if you're serious about it and you really don't know where to start or what to do. Chill out the money to take classes and take every class that you can get yourself in front of. Keep getting yourself in front of the microphone again and again and again. Even if everybody who meets you tells you, oh, my gosh, you have such an amazing voice. I bet you do so great at voice acting. That's probably true. But until you start meeting people that can make – um, that can empower you to do that professionally, it doesn't matter mm -hmm. how many strangers tell you how great your voice is right. because they're not going to hire you. And I think the biggest obstacle that people put in their own way is that sense of entitlement, that yep. they think that they are talented beyond whatever they're getting 
or uh, or they get obsessed with the show business aspect yep. of it and how they're treated. If you come in and you treat it like a job that you're going to bust your hump to do it, yep. I really do truly believe that uh, eventually it will work out. That if you just put your nose to the grindstone, that while it may not work out in the way that you intend, like as an example, I started off doing stand-up comedy with the full intention of being a guy who could eventually sell out theaters uh, and maybe turn down a development deal on sitcoms. Now, I didn't honestly <laughs> think that was a reality, but that was that's how I work. I'm like, I have to have a light at the end of the tunnel yeah. so that I have a plan in action. And what came out of it was I, I realized that the only thing I could control is what I create. And so yeah. I just started creating as much content as I could. I didn't know about Louis C.K.'s thing if he only does his bit for a year or anything like that because it hadn't been around. So I said, I'm going to make myself do a CD at least every three years. If at, at three years, I have to drop what I'm doing and move completely on because I'd seen guys doing the same material for yeah. eight years. See. And I just didn't think that's what people wanted to see. And so what came out of that as a consequence, not through any planning or anything like that, I, I get played on Sirius Satellite Radio more than Dane Cook and Daniel Tosh. And I get a paycheck from it. Yeah. And it changed my life. And it was not part of the plan or anything. All it was was an, uh, a consequential yeah. result of my hard work. And see, that that's exactly it. To, to staple the snake, to go full circle, yes. The uh, what Justin was, was mocking is that uh, working at a church in Hollywood, we get uh, hundreds of transplants. I mean, people move to L.A. in droves every year. And they move out of L.A. in droves every year because they don't get what they thought they were going to get when they move here. And Los Angeles is a town filled with transients of people who come here who think they're going to get what they want and then take it home with them, their fame, their success, their money, whatever it is. And then they're going to go back to their hometown and be and be the person that they want to be. But L.A. is a stepping stone from that. If you walk here with that intention, you won't be the first one to do that, but you are not as likely to succeed. Mm -hmm. now, people succeed all the time with that in, in mind, but the people that really succeed are the ones that move here with the intention of doing the actual work yeah. that want to be an actor. If you move here because you want to be a voiceover actor and you love being in front of the microphone and you love creating voices and you love meeting people that love to do the same thing and you just you just can't wait to stare at another script and try to do a cold read and you're begging to do another take because you think you've got another another and another way to do it, then move to Los Angeles and become a voiceover actor. If you're waiting to get a fat paycheck for doing very little work of talking to a microphone because you think you've got funny voices, don't waste your time, man. Yeah. You're going to leave with a broken heart and, and waste years, your best years of your life, where you could be developing a marketable skill for yourself back in your hometown. And that is, I've seen it and I'll see it every day that I live in Los Angeles. That's why it's filled with bitter people. It's because they want the success without wanting the work. Yes. You have to think about what you're naturally good at. That's, that's, that's what I think really works. And it's like we were talking about at the dinner table. My five-year-old son wants to be a football player. Yeah. Now, in my mind... <laughs> Which was adorable. Right? In my mind, I can... As a father, you don't sit there and look at it and go, I need to crush that dream because the yeah. chances of that being real are... And I'm not talking about just the fact that because he's five. What I, I'm trying to use that as an example is that say he cultivates that. Because here's what I wish would have happened in my childhood. When I was his age, I was watching Bill Cosby as himself and thought that was the best. I was I was watching it like it was a cartoon. Yeah, and I loved it. Now, if my dad would have, and my dad was a great dad, but if my dad would have looked at me and said, "You know, that's a stand-up comic. You, here's some things about stand-up yep. comedy that you might want to know." Blah 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 blah. 
then it may have helped me to understand that it could be a real job that I could do one day. And it could have, you know, just started me down the path that I didn't start stepping on until I was 27 years old. Um, so for Jacob, if football is his passion, then I will watch it with him. I've already started. I explained to him the rules of the game and, and try and tell him who's what. Now, I know he's five, so his attention span isn't there to watch a three-hour game. Uh, but I am also be. I am also ready with, like, what we discussed at the table where I, w- I will say, now, physically, you may not be able to compete, but if you love football, there are lots of other jobs there that are associated with football. Exactly. It's, it's like when you're a child, there are, like, nine jobs that yes. you can have that you don't understand, and then whatever your parents do. Yes. So there's like, there's, like, baseball. There's some sort of professional sports person. Then there's the civic services, uh, you know, a policeman, doctor. Uh, mailman. <laughs> Those are all on the same yeah. thing. Then there's like teacher, yep. uh, because you Vet, see that in your you world. Say veterinarian yet? Yeah, then the veterinarian. Yeah, I didn't say that. It's, it's like some sort of hybrid yeah. animal. And then maybe a zoologist if you're, you have a school like that, a marine biologist. Garbage whatever, man. Garbage man's one of them. Mailman. Uh, and then like store. You work in a store. Yep. And then there's some. Then there's office. Yeah. Thing you're not sure. And then there's president. Jack at school tells uh, his teachers that his mom goes to uh, goes to the park every day. Oh, that's when, she, when she's working, she's going to the park because that's he doesn't even. I don't know where it comes from. Got never, it. I don't know if it doesn't even rhyme with work. <laughs> Sounds similar, but he says she's at the park. <laughs> and then you get older, and then like you suddenly realize there's some industries, and then you think you're going to be that thing within the industry. You're going to be the the writer. You're going to be the actor. You're going to be the football player. And then you understand like. Oh, I can fit this niche. And then what really happened, you go to school to learn that thing, and then it turns out that you were never destined for that, and then you end up working in some, like, micro-industry because somewhere somebody yeah. was willing to give you money to do a thing. And that's how you end up with a job that you then explain to your kid that gets matched up with yeah. <laughs> gets baseball players. Yeah, <laughs> going to the park. Because nobody ever told Natalie that she would be a killer loan salesman. No. I didn't know that you could sell loans for a living no. until I was in college, man. Maybe. And I and but I I don't know. I'm testing this theory on my kids. Is that I do think you could see at a very young age what they are into, mm-hmm. and you could cultivate it, and that you can and help them find a career and a passion. Or here's the other thing: is that what always bothers me about this is that like people people always say I want to be a voiceover actor, but nobody ever says I want to be a plumber. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And here's what I think: is that I also think that there are lifestyles that you can have. That especially in the technologically advanced world that we live in, that you could do the job that you didn't necessarily aspire to do, uh, but it could give you the means to do what you love to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my dad is an example of that. My dad has a natural ability to fix things. He just, it doesn't matter what it is. He didn't graduate high school, but he works on anesthesia machines. So for anybody who doesn't know what that is, these are the machines that keep people alive when you're in surgery. Uh, a, a high school dropout, is the man who's responsible for repairing those machines because he has a natural ability to fix things. He does not enjoy it. Yeah. He does not love it. He understands that he has a natural ability to fix things. What he really likes doing is like carpentry and uh, fixing things around like a house and yeah. laying tile and landlord type stuff. So what he's done is he's done this job 
as a means to do what he ultimately likes to do, which is like ham radio, that kind of crap. Because he, because the the job of of tending to a, a house like a contractor with all the details, he would not be able to pick and choose unless he was a billionaire. Yes, I, I'm going to do the tile work just in the bathroom, right? And then I'm going to do the stone work just in the kitchen, right? Not the whole house, right? Which is what you would have to do if you're a contractor. I don't feel like figuring out the pipes. He can do that because it's his home. Yeah. I just want to. I just want to work on this one thing. I yeah. feel like taking down the drywall and hanging this other thing up. Yeah, I feel like having a de- demo- demolished bathroom for two years. Because that because that's what interests him. But because he's willing to finance that passion with something that allows for it, uh, that works within his skill set. Now, going back to your son, what I think is is exciting about it is that the pr- you will do a good job of leading him through this process of right now it's I want to be a football player. And you will do the thing that your dad didn't necessarily do to you of say, well, here are the things that you could do for that. And it will either and I will do- say things like you could be a coach. Yeah. You could uh, you could right. work in the front office. Because you could answer the freaking phones. It will do one of two things. It will either instill in it will it will germinate this true passion in for uh, for him that will grow into a lifelong career in the football industry in yeah. some form either as a player or be a on high school coach and something. still have a decent living or it will be it will kill it mm-hmm. <laughs> because he'll see that there is work attached to it and really he just does not interest him yeah that really it's just that i like the uniforms and i think it's cool that they're running around i think it might actually be that he plays a little bit of football with his friends at school oh. and it might be other kids have said they want to be football players. Yeah. And he likes to watch football. He likes right. it and he gets and Either he gets way, into it, you'll but. do him a service in that you'll grow him in the direction or so that you can find something or kill it so that he doesn't grow up to be because 17. Because I think his real passion is, which I'm trying not to force upon him, is I really think it is some form of media in that yeah. he loves film. He lo- Everything he plays has a music to it. Like He likes the idea of all of that. And when, when so when football comes on, his his thing is he immediately wants to go get his uh, little phone, the iPhone, like yeah. it's an iPod Touch, and he plays that NFL flick quarterback. Mm. That's what he wants to do while watching the game. Like that's that's how his mind works. And so I'm trying to. I, I've asked him a couple times. I'm like, hey, do you want to mess around with the video camera and we can make like a little movie while, with your guys while you're playing? He's like, eh. <laughs> like he's like, I don't want to do that. But I I do think that eventually that that's where his mind may lead. Now, I don't think he's necessarily going to be a film producer. He's sure, not going to yeah, be J.J. Yeah, yeah. Abrams or Steven Spielberg. And, and that's what it comes down to is whether or not he's an author of the things or if he's a consumer of them. Yeah. And and that will be the transition. That's what that I'm trying to do. I'm trying to say, here, do you want to create this? Yeah. And, and he, it would be the same thing for, for football. Do you yeah. want to consume it or do you want to be a, exactly. a contributing factor to yeah. it? And uh, hopefully I can help him find something that he can generate and then that use that and to make And that's money. how you get a voiceover agent in L.A. Perfect, guys. <laughs> nailed it. Pretty much nailed that. That only took us 20 minutes. Yeah. So we're fine. Oh, well, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other one last thing, and I always say this as a caveat to uh, – I also teach workshops to other stand-up comics on how to get booked on the road. And the biggest thing that I tell them that is unassociated with what they uh, are trying to do is the financial aspect of it. Until you can learn to manage your finances and live uh, beneath your means, uh, then it is very, very difficult, I think, to build a career in any form of entertainment. And the way that I did it, uh, I don't know that it's the only way, but the way that I think saved my life is through uh, Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover uh, book is that uh, we went literally my wife and I had three jobs each and didn't have a penny between any of us 
And after doing the book and learning to budget and stuff like that, we each only had one job making half what we were making, but had enough money to do whatever we wanted to do. Uh, and then when things got tight, instead of having our whole life crumble, it just kind of got a little tighter for us. And then we just pushed through and, uh, and came out on the other side. So that's my opinion on that. And I hope that that helps. That was our show. That was good. I feel oh, good about that. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. It's been a while since we've done a good one. <laughs> I've been a little worried we jumped the shark. <laughs> Staple that snake. I think I think we jumped the shark, and now we're coming back around to do another run. Uh, oh, yeah, I think. probably. I we're think cool, that, and then we're uh, cool. I mean, we've changed our name four times. Yep. Um, yeah, it's see. time for a name change. All right. Really? Already? I feel like we've only had this one for a month. Ah, it's not It's not clicking. It's okay. like new Coke. <laughs> People want right. to go back to old new Coke. Well, uh, <laughs> send us an email to show at the at GamerlandPodcast.com with your new title suggestions. <laughs> or you can uh, send them to gamer, uh, Facebook.com slash GamerlandPodcast. Or you can send them to us at Twitter at GamerlandPod. Or you could send new name suggestions, or more importantly, just throw a like to Facebook.com slash I Once Like Cooper in his own animated series so we can Betty White this bitch and make it happen. When are we going to make that a t-shirt, man? That's so great. Uh, we can. <laughs> Let's do another one of the Keep Calm. I like those shirts. Uh, keep good, yeah. Calm and Sly On or something uh, like that. That's or, good, yeah. That's or good. Uh, Circle Button On or I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll workshop it not on the air. Okay, great. On behalf of my good friend. <laughs> Circle uh, Button. Uh, Circle some button. would call him my new friend, Kevin Miller. <laughs> this is Just Worship saying, okay, okay bye. bye.